and splintered my fig tree. It has stripped it off their bark and thrown it down. The branches are made white. Lament like a virgin wearing sackcloth for the bridegroom of her youth. The grain offering and the drink offering are cut off from the house of Adonai. The priests mourn, the ministers of Adonai. The fields are destroyed, the ground mourns, because, because grain is destroyed. The wine dries up, and the oil languishes. Be ashamed, O tillers of the soil. Wail, O vine dressers, for wheat and for for the wheat and for the barley, because the harvest of the field has perished. The vine dries up. <clears throat> the fig tree languishes, pomegranate, palm, and apple. All the trees of the field are dried up, and gladness dries up the children of man. Put on sackcloth and lament, O priests, wail, O ministers of the altar. Go and pass the night in sackcloth, O ministers of my God. Because grain offering and drink offering are withheld from the house of your God. Consecrate the fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land to the house of Adonai your God, and cry out to Adonai. Alas for the day, for the day of the, of the for the day of Adonai is near, and as destruction from Adonai, from the Almighty it comes. It is not the food cut off before our eyes joy and gladness from the house of our God. The sea shrivels under the cloths, cloths. The storehouses are desolate. The granaries are torn up because the street are torn down because, it's, because the grain has dried up. How the beasts mourn. The herds of cattle are perplexed because there is no pasture for them. Even the flocks of sheep suffer. To you, O Adonai, I call. For fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness, and the flame has burned all the trees of the field. Even the beasts of the field pan for you, because the water brooks are dried up, and the fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness. Thank you, Josiah. Mercy done. All right, what's happened? Very bad famine caused by locusts. Famine caused by locusts, okay? What else? The temple is destroyed? How do you know no. the temple is destroyed? Sorry. No offerings are not being offered up. Yes, that's exactly right. In verse 9, the grain offering and the drink offering are cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests mourn, the ministers of the Lord. It would appear the point of the locusts and all of this devastation is a call to repentance. Nice. Yeah. So, <clears throat> everything's dried up. As Joshua said, there's been a famine. We've got four different kinds of locusts going on here. Cutting, swarming, hopping, and destroying locusts. So it's a harbinger. What's coming? I'd have to say that the locusts and their destruction reminds me of the eighth plague. Mm. Mm. Not a revelation. We're gonna get there. 
in Exodus. Oh, that one. <laughs> I like it. We're going to get there, too. Yeah, the whole idea of this, of this uh, class, week after week, is that we're going to see, wait a minute, wait a minute, we, we saw something like that over here. Oh, oh, that's over here, you know, kind of thing. So, yeah, for sure. Um, There's also the, the, black ho- the black horse in uh, Galatians. Exactly. Which is famine. You get that famine and, you know, similar kind of things happen. Although, oddly enough, wine is not affected in that one. We're going to get that. So, a quick point, though, yeah. the connection. Yeah, obviously. Go, go. Ex- well, it just, I think it's really interesting that here in chapter one, we have a verse that sounds almost identical to the what we should do with the story of the Exodus. It says here in verse three, tell your children of it and let your children tell their children and their children to another generation. Does that sound familiar? That is pretty much the same thing when it comes to the exodus of Egypt. That we're supposed to Amen. tell that, teach it, and be reminded of it every day. So so masterclass points go to Joshua for getting that and you get half credit. Nice. I like it. I'll give that to Joshua. Absolutely. Well done. Anything else comes to mind? Verse 15. Mika, can you read verse 15 for me, please, in a loud and masculine voice? Alas, for the day, for the day of Adonai is near, and it will come as destruction from the Almighty. Nice. So, what is all this based on that verse? Precursor. I like it. A precursor, uh, a setup. Let's get the ball on the tee. We're about to smack it, right? Let's call for the bird. We're about to, uh, we're about to shoot it. It's a harbinger of what's about to come, right? That's what we're talking about. So, is this the day of the Lord? No. Exactly. This how do you know? is a precursor, right? It says the day of the Lord is near. It's near. Mm. Good for you. Good for you. Yeah. Exactly right. All right. So we're, we all seem to be on the same sheet of music. So any other comments on chapter one before we go to chapter two? Just state obvious. It's pretty interesting to note how uh, famine seems to grab everyone's attention. And it, isn't any partial to dispensation of time. We who are so easy, used to just going to the store and getting yeah. food, yeah. if ever there was a famine to that scale, oh my goodness, and all our grocery stores were wiped out, I think, yeah, this would grab everyone's attention. Well, did you see the panic even before the hurricane this year? I yeah, mean, people clearing things out. For stores were yeah. half empty. Yeah, for, you know, forget bread and water. They took everything. <laughs> I think uh, if you do a study on your own about famine, you'll find that it's never an accident. And 100% of the time in the scripture, it's caused by God himself. (coughs) Pardon me. So, as we are beginning the Torah, we read through Abraham and Yitzhak and so forth. I can't get the answer to that on HomePoint. 
because you're a pagan. <laughs> <laughs> we, we read of several famines already, right? And these famines are designed by God to move people, to move men. And in one case that we're reading now in Toldo, the man who's ready to move as his father did, and God said, uh-uh, you can't leave. So, uh, yeah, we need, to, we need to make note. If there's a famine, if the locusts are coming and wiping everything out, it, it didn't take God by surprise, right? The sovereign of the universe. Yes, sir? Well, so I don't know if there's any connection, but just we, we, in the past we've always reminded of that idea that in Messianic times, whenever the nations don't come up, for the festivals, that they don't get rain. So anytime I so, see something so about something just, being how dried would you describe, up, yeah, you know what I mean, no like because it, it's talking about fire and dried up and like everything is just barren essentially. Yeah. And so anyway, that that's what it reminded me of. In addition to, of course, the locusts kind of devouring everything, it's clear that there is a very severe drought. Yeah. As well. And again, same point, right? If you don't come up. To celebrate Sukkot in the land, you get famine. Mm -hmm. Especially Egypt. Yeah, especially Egypt. A double whammy, right? So the, again, the, the famine is always caused by God, and is always designed to motivate men. Just like Egypt, you know, come on, especially Egypt. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There it is. Cool. Good yeah. comments. Yeah. Man. We, we have a hand. Hmm? We have a hand. So based upon your comment about the mm -hmm. destruction, uh, assuming that the fire that is described is um, part of the destruction, why would there be fire? Because his, I'm, I'm not sure. The syllable of wrath. Well, because everything's really, really dry. Simple, right? That's not. Let's not get ethereal or very theological. There, fire is, is potential, smoke to the bear, right? It's, oh my goodness, everything's dry. Be careful with matches. Only you can stop a forest fire. Um, so I was thinking that this is, after the locusts come through, it's kind of like, even if we didn't do it, it's still kind of like a harvest. And in a literal sense, Adonai is, is literally burning away the chaff. Ooh. Mm -hmm. A little eschatological parallel. I like that. Yeah, in a physical way, trying to give us as a as a precursor or harbinger exactly what's going to be done. Oh, I like that. That's very good. I'm going to write that down. I may add that to the book. Nicely done. Nicely done. Who would like to read Joel chapter two for me? We. Uh, Blow the shofar. <coughs> Would you like me to sing the Paul Wilbur song? The blow the trumpet in Zion? No, I'm kidding. I'm not, uh, I'm not familiar with that. Oh, right. <coughs> do we need to get the... Do we need to... <laughs> I should have had that playing when you walked in. I beg it's your pardon. I think Siri knows. I'm sure it is, but don't ask. <laughs> yeah, because it'll take, you know, 20 minutes to turn them off. <laughs> you want to read? Who's going to read? <coughs> I will. Promise? You're looking at chapter 2? I am. Just the 1 through 17? Okay. Mm -hmm. 
Blow a trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of Adonai is coming. It is near. A day of darkness and gloom. A day of clouds and thick darkness. Like blackness there is spread upon the mountains. A great and powerful people. Their like has never been before. Nor will be again after them. Through the years of all generations. Fire devours before them. And behind them a flame burns. The land is like the garden of Eden before them. But behind them a desolate wilderness, and nothing escapes them. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses, and like war horses they run. Say that again. Been there. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses, and like war horses they run. As with the rumbling of chariots, they leap on top of the mountains. Like the crackling of a flame of fire, devouring the stubble, like a powerful army drawn up for battle. For them, peoples are in anguish. All faces grow pale. Like warriors, they charge. Like soldiers, they scale the wall. They march each on his way. They do not swerve from their paths. They do not jostle one another. Each marches in his path. They burst through the weapons and are not halted. They leap upon the city. They run upon the walls. They climb up into the houses. They enter through the windows like a thief. The earth quakes before them. The heavens tremble, the sun and the moon are darkened, and the stars withdraw their shining. The Lord utters his voice before his army, for his camp is exceedingly great. <clears throat> he, who ex he who executes his word is powerful. The day of Adonai is great and very awesome. Who can endure it? Yet, even now, declares Adonai, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to Adonai your God. For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn or relent, and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering, for Adonai your God. Behold, sorry, blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, consecrate the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, even nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room, and the bride her chamber. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests, the ministers of Adonai, weep, and say, Spare your people, O Adonai. Make not your heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, Where is their God? Thank you. What is the most used word in this chapter? The. No. They. No. Assemble? No. no. People. They. Like blackness there is spread upon the mountains. And a great and powerful people. Their light has never been seen before them. Fire devours before them, and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses, and like war horses they run. They leap on the tops of the mountains, like the crackling of a flame of fire, like a powerful army drawn up from battle. Like warriors, they charge. Like soldiers, they scale the wall. What's the most used word? Is it like? 
You know, it's like like. In fact, it is like. I like that. So these are allegories. Yes. Well, my point is, <clears throat> everything he's writing is to try and draw your attention to what's happening and give you potentially something that you can liken it to. Something that maybe you know so that you understand what's going on. Does that make sense? This is imagery. I don't want to say parable. It, it's like that, but um, it's, it's not necessarily trying to teach us a single lesson, but rather, man, you wouldn't believe this. I, I, was, I was walking, it was, it was like, you see what I'm doing? I'm, I'm just trying to help you get with yeah. me to see, yeah. Image. Painting a mental picture. I, yeah, painting a mental picture. I want you to see mentally what I saw and feel it. He's trying to give you stuff here that will not only help you understand it, but to see it. I got two. Josiah. <clears throat> On the too slow! Joshua. No, all right, we'll come back to you. On the like and getting a mental picture, Yeah. could this also be kind of like with Daniel's vision of the beast that he could mm. not... Mm. Couldn't describe. Yeah. I've just never seen anything like this. I don't even know what to call it. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. Yes, I think it is. But there's a difference here. Daniel had never seen anything like that before. <clears throat> Pardon me. Which I think we all came to the conclusion must be some kind of thing in the future that he had never seen before. But here, everything that's happening seems to have a corollary. He's able to tie it to something, even if it's ants marching out of a hole. Nobody bumps into the next guy. They're all right in line. What does that remind you of? Nazis? Means. Marching? Or all in line. They never bump into each other. Like in a column. Each their own specific <clears throat> cast that they know what they're going and yeah. there's no confusion. Yeah, exactly. So like a one man army. Each it appears to be, that's right. Well it seems to me this is this is a continuation of chapter one, so we're talking about the locust. Maybe. Um, the language seems very well, much chapter one, it was clear that the day of the Lord had not come. Right. Well this one, depending on how your verse one is translated. Um, the Hebrew is ambiguous enough that you could still say it's coming. And I could, but later on I don't think I could. Uh, well, the point though, and it's not to say that there might not be more than one day of the Lord because there's parallels. I'm going to quote a, um, a, uh, a, a wise man from South Carolina. who says something about um, prophecy being circular. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you read this passage, and I think what you're going to probably try to get at here in a second, this, and I mentioned <clears throat> Harbinger, this is a... Um, these 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 similes like um, is intended, I think, not only to, to provide an image of what this experience was. We're talking about potentially waves of locusts that are just consuming the land and, mm -hmm. and unstoppable. Mm -hmm. But the imagery also aligns itself with other end times prophecies. So it's almost like if you remember what this was like, or if you can picture what this is like, 
you get to have kind of a, a taste, a foreshadowing of what the end is going to be like. It will be even even more intense than this, but this gives you an image. It's kind of like um, it's kind of like earlier talking about Exodus. The plagues in Exodus are at some level a um, a preview of the plagues in Revelation. Exactly. I'm with you. I'm I'm trying to. I'm trying to agree with all of you. I, clearly, if the locusts are still going and he's trying to say, well, wait a second. I've had a vision. This is, the way this is happening is just like what's going to happen. But at some point here, he flips into, forget the simile stuff. Let me give you the straight truth. Let's jump down to verse 10 of chapter 2 in Joel. The earthquakes before them, the heavens tremble. The sun and the moon are darkened and the stars withdraw their shining. <clears throat> we don't know if it happened there, but that clearly is one of the most well-known signs of the Lord, the day of the Lord. The Lord utters his voice, before his army. Now is the army the locusts? Perhaps. For his camp is exceedingly great. He who executes his word is powerful. For the day of the Lord is great and very awesome who can endure it. If you think the Lord is coming with all his hosts, with locusts, then you're missing something here. Right? At some point here, you need to take his simile, as, as Joshua said, and recognize that he's being given a vision of that day of the Lord and is putting it into language that he can understand and his readers can understand. But there's some very clear specifics about the day of the Lord that is yet to come that we need to make note of. This, by the way, um, I got you, man. I'll, I'll come to you. Um, verse 10, the sun and the moon are darkened and the stars withdraw their shining. This is exactly why the entire Messianic community is all a, a Twitter when there's a blood moon or a blood moon tetrad. Four of those bad boys in a row. Why? Because the moon is darkened. The sun is darkened. That kind of deal. So these are the harbingers of what's to come. Yes, sir. Um, if we were to discuss what the Lord's army is, I would have to say that <clears throat> I would not think it would be locusts. Because locusts cannot march. Well, you could you, say ants can march. Ants can march. But he's, again, he's using, as, as Joshua said, he's using a simile. The fact that they're moving all in columns, not bumping into each other, sure, it, it, it obviously is trying to draw this picture of some type of a physical army that's well-disciplined. Again, I would say, not unlike, I'm, I'm just drawing back on my history, not unlike the Nazi army, with those arms going up, you know, and the legs are high, you know, and boom, boom, 
boom, as they're marching, and you're like, you know, that kind of deal. That's that's what I that's what I right. Yeah, you bet. Um, <clears throat> just from reading here, it just automatically makes me point toward what Yeshua said when they just you know his Talmudim asked what the end of the days was going to be like. Right. He might as well said, just read Joel chapter two because this is exactly verbatim almost what he's saying. It shall be as a thief in the night. The angel of the windows like a thief. So there shall be earthquakes and pestilence in dire places. The sun and moon shall grow dark again. When it says this, I see a correlation where if the earth quakes, you're going to have fissures blow up. You're going to have volcanic eruptions. You're going to have um, soot and dirt thrown in the air, which is going to cause the heavens to darken up. True. So I don't see this as a natural or a natural event that all of a sudden the moon and um, sun and stars go out. It's an event that's yeah, recursive. There, you know. there could be a reason for right. it. And, and certainly we, we see, or we will see in future lessons, because, I mean, keep in mind, we're, only, we're looking at little snippets of passages in the prophets that talk about this kind of stuff. Um, but we're going to see in future lessons where the Lord is going to return, or for those of our listeners that are... Uh, of the mindset that Messiah has not yet come. I'm, I'm cool with that. When Messiah comes, you put one foot on the Mount of Olives, and I don't know where the other foot goes, but he pushes his feet apart, and he splits it apart. Right? This creates a giant fissure, as you said, and apparently Jews are going to be able to hide down in there, but I am getting ahead of myself. Other comments on this amazingly prophetic and wonderful passage from a guy named Yoel. One through seventeen gives us potentially some wonderful things about the day of the Lord. So I'm, I'm going to take a quiz. What do you know about the day of the Lord? What's going to happen? Just read through one through seventeen now and just shout them out. For the people at home that were falling asleep just a minute ago, they all went to the bathroom, got popcorn to listen to Josh. So, what are we doing? What do you got? They shall come quickly and unexpectedly. Quickly and unexpectedly. They shall far blast and trumpet blast. Yeah. That's an interesting one. Most people overlook that. But there is a shofar blast at the beginning, or to precede everything that was mentioned. That's pretty cool. Maybe we could call that the last trump. <laughs> Darkness, and Darkness and gloom. Is this a happy time? No. Darkness and gloom. I had an aunt that we used to go. <laughs> it's kind of interesting how those play off of each other, though, because then there's also fire, right, and flames that are burning, okay, as well. So it's it's both. It's darkness and gloom. There's also fire that devours before them, and behind them a flame burns. Okay. Um, if, if fire is devouring things, rather than just burning in a controlled fashion, um, I associate this with gloom. Agreed. Right? You're standing in the cul-de-sac and watching, unfortunately, as your house being devoured and consumed. I'm thinking gloom. You know what I'm saying? But good. That's good. What else you got? 1 through 17? Anything? Anything? Is that it? Great and very awesome. Great and very awesome. The awesome. The great and terrible day we see in other versions of the Lord. Good. Charging armies. <clears throat> Charging armies. 
practically indestructible armies. Yet they don't seem to be able to be stopped. That's exactly right. Yeah. Do we wait, 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 wait. Do we know if the armies are on our side or their side? Let me rephrase that. Are these the armies of the the Lord? They are neither mm. your side nor their side. Hmm. I mean, if if my army is busting through your camp and kicking some serious proverbial butt. I'm shouting. If it's a day of darkness and gloom and the army is coming through and kicking my butt and your butt, I'm starting to wonder where we're at. So just, if you're making notes, whose army is this? Who's getting kicked? They seem to be unstoppable. Is this, is this his arm? Is this a different arm? And if they're unstoppable, then somebody must be trying to stop them and fail. Yes? Okay, good. Anything else? <clears throat> Another reference is the spare your people. He's asking them because based on the fact of, like in where most where Moshe pleads for the people okay where is their God or why did their God take them out of the land only to destroy them okay I jump to 15 consecrated fast call a solemn assembly right gather the people which is what blowing the shofar is all about I think a lot of us were shaking our heads at the cool verse Verse 13, rend your hearts, yeah. not yes. your garments. Mm -hmm. What a yeah. good quote. Yeah. Wow. That's so, good. So, so what's the point of this then? Based on that, that should turn this whole thing around for you. What's the point? Teshuva? Yeah. Right? We want, or the Lord wants, Teshuva. He's coming here. This appears to be what event on our timeline? The day of the Lord? Give me something that's not in here. The return of Messiah? Or the coming of Messiah. The coming of Messiah. Let's put it that way. Yeah, this is the coming of the Messiah. This is what the sages talk about. I recall something in our last study where we read this and the master said, will the Son of Man find faith on the earth? Anybody? Hello? Anybody? Just to play the advocate here. Um, I do think that chapter 2... You didn't want to name the advocate? Is that <laughs> it? <laughs> okay. um, just, I think that... Uh, Whose side am I on anyway? Right. Um, the, uh, the, We're about to find out. <laughs> I think chapter 2 still is in reference to the locus in chapter 1 as a symbol of what chapter 3 talks about. Because if you look at verse 25 in chapter 2, it says... We, didn't, we stopped at 17. We didn't get to 25 yet. You were jumping ahead. But we're making decisions about chapter 2 before we finish chapter Well, two. blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, consecrate the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, even nursing infants. That's a whole lot of stuff to do if there's just locusts coming across the land. Uh, it's kind of about everything you can eat. Yeah. It's a pretty big deal. Oh, so it's just locusts. 
But it's not, as you said, a portent of something to come. Oh, it is a portent of something to come. Thank you. Oh, no, I didn't say that. No, well, I, I am trying to focus I'm on the portent it, of something to come. I'm just hesitant <laughs> to say that it is an actual prophecy of what's to come. I think this is a, and something that's already, that, that was already around that time frame that was a symbol of what would come later. Okay. Uh, you seem reluctant to call this the day of the Lord. No, I am calling the day of the Lord, but I'm saying Great. it's more than the day of the Lord. <laughs> I would argue that very strongly. Read verse 25. I'm about to, but once we get through this, the day of the Lord with the definite article is what we're talking about right here in verse 11. The day of the Lord is great and very awesome. Who can endure it? Not them. Yet even now, declares the Lord, rend your heart, not your garments. He wants that shuvah you talked about. When I was in Israel, I can't remember if the kibbutz was Yad Shmona or Nafkinasor, one of the two. They had a garden there with Joel ripping his garment yeah. the first there. It, just, yeah. it was very profound. I loved it. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right. Just to side note, the Hebrew, there is no the day of the Lord. It is great. It's the Lord's day. The Lord's day. No, it's day. not the. It's just Lord's day. It's Yom. It's Adonai. Yom. Hmm. Yeah, it's a, a Lord's day. You could take, you could translate that, but it's not Hayom. Is what okay. I'm trying to say. I don't know of any, any. I don't know of any sage ever who has said there's more than one day of the Lord. But if you want to sit here and say that there is, that's cool. Well, the, but right now, okay. we're going to move on and see if we can find any plurality here. There was no plural in that one. I'm looking for plural. There was no plural, right? All right. So let's look at the second half, 18 to 29, Joshua. Why don't you read that for us? I would love to. 18 through 29. Okay. I'm reading from the Chabad version, so it might be a little bit. Okay. And the Lord was zealous for his land, and he pitied his people. <clears throat> and the Lord replied and said to his people, Behold, I send you the corn, the must, and the oil, and you shall be sated by it. And I will no longer make you a derision among the nations. And the northerner I will distance from you, and I will drive him to a land barren and desolate. Its face to the eastern sea and its end to the western sea, and its stench shall ascend, and its ill savor shall ascend, for it did great things. Have no fear, O land, rejoice and jubilate, for the Lord has performed great things. Fear not, O beasts of the field, for the dwelling places of the wilderness have become covered with grass, for the trees have borne their fruit, the fig tree and the vine have given forth their strength, and the children of Zion rejoice and jubilate with the Lord your God, for he gave you the teacher for justification, and he brought down for you rain. Wow. The early rain and the late rain in the first month. And the granary shall be filled with grain, and the vats shall roar with must and oil. And I will repay you for the years that the increasing locust, the nibbling locust, the finishing locust, and the shearing locust have devoured my great army that I have sent against you. So the army in this case is the locusts. Um, I said the first one? 29. Yeah. And you shall eat, eating and, be, and being sated, and you shall praise the name of the Lord your God, who has performed wonders with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. And you shall know that I am the midst of Israel, and I am the Lord your God. There is no other, and my people shall never be ashamed. Pause. This is where we go into chapter 3 in the Hebrew version. And Which it shall, is still in chapter 2 for us. Right, yeah. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit upon flesh. And your sons, sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your elders shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And even upon the slaves and the maidservants in those days, 
will I pour out my spirit. Continue? No, we'll stop at 29. Okay. Is that 29? Yeah. Okay. So, mm-hmm. what was your tenses as he was reading? Tenses. Different. Yeah. Future. Clearly different, right? Mm-hmm. We had present tense earlier. Oh. Now, everything is seems to be... Will. What? I will do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So, I am sending to you grain, wine, and oil, and you will, future tense, be satisfied. And it will no more make you a reproach among the nations. So you can see how, <coughs> pardon me, the, the future for Israel is that they will never again be a reproach. I will remove the northern farm from you and drive him into a parched and desolate land, his vanguard into the eastern sea and his rear guard into the western sea, and so on. Fear not, for the Lord has, past tense now, done great things. Right? Yeah. I would like to point out that, at least in my version, there are four I wills. Nice. Mm. Back to Exodus again. Where you got those? 2.20, I've got, I will remove the northern. You got another one? Uh, just a second. I have to go back up. One, two, <coughs> yeah, okay, so I will remove the northerner, and then... I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. Yes. 25? Yes. 19. I will never again make you reproach. Nice. I got one before it. Nice. 19. And then in the last one, I will, let's see, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Nice. Cool. Oh, wait, there are five. Okay. The four I will select this. There's a fifth hidden one there, too. That's right. I will pour (laughs) out my spirit. Should I kill the bug? Is it a locust? Yeah, there's a bug. If it's a bug, kill it. If not, it's a stink You don't bug. have to eat it, just kill it. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. Okay, so we've had a turn. It seems to be a different period in the timeline, as Joshua is alluding to. So, horrible destruction. Destruction. Now incredible compassion and abundance. When do we read in the sages of abundance like this? What 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 is the writer trying to tell us here? What do we got? Does it not appear like a before and after scenario to you? Obviously there will be tremendous abundance in the Messianic cage. Right, right. We talk about the, uh, uh, the the grapes that grow cluster upon cluster, and the grape in the corner of the room there. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Just another point, or louder, please. Just another point, or add on to uh, my father's revelation comparison is that I remember somewhere that the abundance of all the produce 
after um, in the messianic age is a likeness to what all the produce was before the um, before Adam and Hava sinned in the Garden of Eden. Ooh, nice! Yeah, bringing us right back to the beginning. <coughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it says that the land that you will toil for the land, mm-hmm. which could be taken as that everything you do will not bring as much produce as there was before you sinned. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. Anything else on that? All right. Um, Two. The Adonai will pour out his spirit is also, I believe, a another reference to Adonai pouring out his spirit in Revelation as well. Which we didn't get to yet, but I get that. Good. This also seems like a very consistent theme in Deuteronomy, where God promises them, you're going to sin, there's going to be awful punishment. And then I'm going to fix it. I'm going to forgive you, I'm going to heal your land, and I'm going to bring you back to me. Amen. Yeah. And I think ultimately, it's the story of all of creation, right? Right Back to the garden, or back to Eden, as, uh, as we've seen. Sure. In uh, the last three verses of uh, Joel, chapter 2, I will show wonders in the heavens on the earth, uh, show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. So regardless of the imagery and the simile and the prophecy and all those other E's that are in this. You should see a timing marker here and a sequential mark before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. In your timeline, in your sequence, you should definitely make note there. It shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That reminds me of Paul in Romans 11, I think. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there shall be those who escape. Hmm. It's interesting that this passage he's speaking in right now does not speak of any kind of army or escaping but they shall escape as the Lord has said and among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls cool stuff I'm wondering if there's some parenthetical phrase in here some go by the ways because it kind of confuses me it sounds like First, there's birth pains, then it's kind of talking about this is what the day of the Lord is going to be like. Then it talks about afterwards, but then it talks about, oh, before the day of the Lord, this will be, and I'm getting kind of confused because it yeah. doesn't all seem chronological to me. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Just I, messed, from, I don't think I've messed with Matt right now. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I think Joshua's got a point that you can see this as being a near-far prophecy of locusts coming and wiping out the land 
And at the same time, a prophet who sees something and is trying to describe something that he's seen in the future, for sure. Um, and I don't, I don't think we need to try and, you know, hash biscuits here over, you know, what was, what is, what will be, or anything like that. But to just take the, the, the literal text in 231, I have no idea where there is in the, in the Hebrew Bible, the sun, plural, uh, uh, future, shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. That's a fact. We should write that down. You should have it as a timing marker in your sequencing. But the whole concept of there being something happening before that is clear. How, how we are going to describe that. At this point, I don't think it's clear in, in this one, right? And that's why, you know, Joshua's grabbing onto, well, wait, you know, we're still talking about locusts here. Right? But what, what, why, are you, why are you talking about over there? He's right. And he's wrong. Because he's right. It's obviously imagery and, uh, you know, near and far type uh, scenarios. <clears throat> Remember, we're not trying to figure it out. We're just trying to get the sequence down. And I do think chapter, the end of chapter two, which is <coughs> this, Beginning this, of three. the Schmiggle three in the yeah. Hebrew version. Yeah. Um, the, uh, I think that that one is a shift to the future, which is why it says, and after these things, yeah. in the beginning yeah. of that, and then it talks about the sun shall turn to darkness, the moon to blood, and so forth. I do think that is a future tense, but of course it's playing off of what we've just seen. As, as a, this is what you should so you're drawing mindful polar of. parallels between right. exactly um, you know it's almost like here's you can just imagine like waves of locusts flying in the sky and the sky going dark because mm -hmm. there's so many of sure. them sure. or as as uh, Alex referenced uh, <clears throat> think of it, ten years ago so that that volcano went off in Iceland and yes. like the whole of Europe was dark and you you've got they've they've got people that are saying this soot came from those people. It came from their land, and it just moved over here, and now we have no sun. You know, like so that 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 imagery is a snapshot of this great and awesome day of the Lord. Where um, I mean, I think it definitely seems to be more intense because we're talking about here the sun shall turn to and the moon to blood. We didn't see the moon to blood before. We saw no. the moon going dark, right? Which is, I think, this is. Um, well, I'm just going to say this. It certainly seems a lot more serious. Um, when the moon is, you know, changing colors as yeah. opposed to simply being darkened. But, <coughs> pardon me, we don't know, to your point, did it turn red because there's stuff in the way that makes it look red? Hmm. Did it turn red because it's bleeding? Did it turn red, be, you know, who knows? Because um, the cheese in the, in the moon went moldy? There it is, right? You know, so clearly you should have seen whole lot of sequencing in this. Um, but I, I do bring you to uh, Malachi 4. Uh, Behold, I will send you Eliyahu Hanavi before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And the whole concept of a great and awesome, awesome not meaning good, but full of awe, primarily comes in my reading 
from from Joel, from what we just read. It's going to be an amazing thing. We also mentioned we, we see this these exact passages quoted later in the scripture. Yeah. Yeah. It's right. it's like Acts they're, chapter two. Yeah. Exactly. Uh-huh. They're so important. Uh-huh. They're good. This is what, what what Peter chose That's right. to comment on when everybody was saying that these people are drunk. Yeah, what's up with that? Oh no. <laughs> Just wait. That's right. And it, going back to Alex's comment about this, and there's parentheticals here, it's almost like, so the, the Hebrew Bible chose in purpose to break out those verses into a separate chapter, mm-hmm. as though there was a transition from this previous talking about locusts and God's going to redeem his people and so forth, and there's this point, after those days, um, for my spirit, it's it's almost as though that's that, that breaking point is what Peter is grabbing onto in Acts chapter 2, not saying necessarily that all the rest of the prophecies that we'll read here or have read is fulfilled, but saying we're at the breaking point. We've turned the chapter. We're yeah. in a new section now. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And what you've heard about is about to come to pass. We're at a place when that can happen at any time. Exactly. Because right. we've hit the point where it started. That's exactly right. So. Let's, uh, let's finish up with uh, Joel chapter 3, and uh, then we'll talk just quickly about some people here. So, if we're going to chapter 3, I just also want to put out, point out the end of the chapter 2, it again emphasizes remnant, and it seems like remnant is a, is a reoccurring term used when it talks about the end, end of days, or deliverance, or any form, whether it's in Isaiah or Ezekiel, it always talks about the remnant, so... Okay. Good. All right, Gregory. I think you're up. Chapter 3. Well, I mean, you can pick up in 2.30, just, you know, so we finish it out there. Yeah. 2.30? Two, 2.30, yeah. we didn't read that. Oh, right, sorry. Okay. I mean, it's just, just cool to just kind of bring it right in there. And I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said, and among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. For behold, in those days and at that time, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat, and I will enter into judgment with them there on behalf of my people and my heritage Israel, because they have scattered them among the nations and have divided up my land and have cast lots for my people and have traded a boy for a prostitute and have sold a girl for wine and have drunk it. What are you to me, O Tyre and Sidon, and all the regions of Philistia? Are you paying me back for something? If you are paying me back, I will return your payment on your own head swiftly and speedily. For you have taken my silver and my gold, and have carried my rich treasures into your temples. You have sold the people of Judah and Jerusalem to the Greeks in order to remove them far from their own border. 
Behold, I will stir them up from the place to which you have sold them, and I will return your payment on your own head. I will sell your sons and your daughters into the hand of the people of Judah, and they will sell them to Sabians, to a nation far away, for the Lord has spoken. Proclaim this among the nations. Consecrate for war. Stir up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am a warrior. Hasten and come, all you surrounding nations, and gather yourselves there. Bring down your warriors, O Lord. Let the nations stir themselves up and come to the valley of Jehoshaphat, for there I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Go in, tread, for the winepress is full. The vats overflow, for their evil is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon are darkened, and the stars withdraw their shining. The Lord roars from Zion, and utters his voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth quake. But the Lord is a refuge to his people, a stronghold to the people of Israel. So, shall, so you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who dwells in Zion, my holy mountain, and Jerusalem shall be holy, and strangers shall never again pass through it. And in that day the mountains shall drip sweet wine, and the hills shall flow with milk, and all the steam beds of stream beds of Judah shall flow with water, and a fountain shall come forth from the house of the Lord, and water the valley of Shittim. Egypt will be, become a desolation, and Edom a desolate wilderness, for the, violent, for the violence done to the people of Judah, because they have shed innocent blood in their land. But Judah shall be inhabited forever, and Jerusalem to all generations. I will avenge their blood. But I have not avenged, for the Lord dwells in Zion. Thank you. All right. So, <clears throat> go back a few verses. When did this happen? What, what is he talking about? Is it before the day of the Lord? Yes. After the day of the Lord? Is it, it is before? The day. Say it again. It is the day. It is the day of the Lord. So, as far as the millennial reign of Messiah, is it at the beginning? Or is it at the end? At the end. Really? So the Lord came... Is a thousand years of peace, and then this happened? Is that what you read? You can finish what you're... Okay. Okay, so I just thought, first off the bat, that it's interesting that, once again, you know, God is entering into judgment on behalf of his people. Yes, amen. Which reminds me of Daniel. Yes, amen. Okay. So I want you, I'm trying to help you with your sequence. Is what you read the day of the Lord if you had to describe the day of the Lord in one sentence to somebody, quick, without thinking about it, what happens? Judgment day. Judgment day. Judgment day. Judgment day. Terrible, yeah. Terrible. <laughs> Great and awesome. Thank you. That's two words. No. Was it one word? No, 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 a sentence. You can oh, a sentence. Oh. What happens? The end. Okay. He said the end. Well, actually, both. The end I the say the beginning. the beginning. Why are we both right? What happens? Is the one thing you didn't say yet. It's the end of the world here. Okay. The beginning of. To quote a song, it's the end of the world as we know it. Okay. What is the event that makes that happen? What's 
What's the split? What caused it? God judges us for who gets to go to. I got a better answer. Messiah returns. Messiah returns. The mountain splits. There it is. So, Messiah comes when? The day of the Lord. And it seems that there's going to be fighting. Well, there's going to be people planning to fight. It doesn't look like there's much Food. fighting. <laughs> yeah. But the day of the Lord, I need you to understand and I want you to think about it. Are we talking about before the millennial reign or after the millennial reign? Before. Why do you say before, Micah? It's... Good. It's easy. It's the door to the millennial reign. It's what? It's practically the door to the millennial reign. It's the dawn. It's what starts it. Right? Right. So the day of the Lord in your timeline should be placed at the beginning of this millennial reign. Or somewhere in advance. In advance. Okay. Maybe not kicking it off, but it's certainly at or before the millennial reign. Yeah, right? So, is this the judgment at the end of the world before we get into the world to come? You may have some other things going on there because you've got a thousand years to piddle around with that maybe you haven't thought about. Go ahead. And in reference to the Messiah returning, where there's another tiny marker, he is indeed repaying each man according to his works. Bam. Now, that speaks to me of judgment. Is there judgment at the end of the millennial reign? As far as you know, up to this point, we haven't, we haven't read. But I always thought there was. Does that mean there's two judgments? I think that... Maybe three. Yeah, this, this, one, this one seems a lot to be very physical. Okay. And this, the so were gathered you, and were, you were doing bad to my people, now I do bad to you. Too bad for you. Right? That kind of thing. Okay. All right. Good. So, again, we're not, we're not trying to come to conclusions. We just want to try and get our sequences right. Because some people think the day of the Lord is at the end of the world, and then we get to the world to come. That doesn't appear to be the case here so far. Yeah. Just to briefly diverge here, something that I noticed in this text that sounds kind of cool, we've talked about Messiah and the, land, and the people of Israel being very similar. Right. The end of verse, what I have, verses 2 and 3 of chapter, of chapter 3, or in my case 4, it says, um, I will contend with them there concerning my people and my heritage Israel, which they scattered among the nations, and my land they divided, and upon my people they cast lots. And I couldn't help but think about Yeshua mm -hmm. on, uh, at the cross. What do they cast lots for so they cast, And they divide his garment. Yeah. They divide one yeah. garment, and they cast lots for the other one. And nice. um, if I, I can't recall correctly, if I don't know, if they actually tell you the number of divisions, but I couldn't also help but they, think they about... They don't in, in, the, in the Gospels, I don't believe. But I couldn't help but think about the division of um, the land of Israel that has currently happened. I mean, I don't know if people realize this, but in 1948, when they created the state of Israel, or actually a little before then, the United Nations said, okay, well, this chunk belongs to these Arabs, and this chunk belongs to these <coughs> right. Arabs, and... Then the Jews can have the you know the crummy parts. This one's going to belong to everybody. Right. And that didn't really work out that way. But even today, we have these lines that have been drawn yeah. um, around and and you know conveniently leave all the biblical sites in the hands of the Arabs and all the non so important Shocker sites in the hands there, of the Jews. Right? 
And it's just, as I read that, I can't help but think about this. As I read this passage, I can't think about that yeah. and realizing, like, God is going to comment on this, and he's not happy yeah. about it. I like mm-hmm. it. That's great. That's a good point. I'm, I'm uh, looking at 3.13. If I, if I read you, go in, tread, for the winepress is full, the vats overflow, for their evil is great. What comes to mind? Adonai's return from his... Something about Adonai's garment being bloody red from... Yes! The Battle Hymn of the Republic! This is Marine Corps Anthem. Come on! Bozra. Yes! Who is this that's coming back from Bozra? His, his garments are... Oh, look at that! He's all... He's all... Treading this guy's, the wine press this guy's like covered with, with blood. He's been treading. The wine of the of the wrath of God. Does that happen all the way at the end? Or in the day of the Lord? The day of the Lord. Something to think about. Also, the text I sent you on this passage, I do think that that says the evil is great. It has to do with this idea of of ripening of the, the sin of the nations. Yeah, it's like come to fruition. Just like you see with the Canaanites, God yeah. tells Abraham, uh, "Look, I'm not going to judge them because they haven't reached their their, right, full, right. their fullness allotment yet." Yeah, and, uh, and that was my thought that might be what Paul's right. getting. You, at you need to hold that. We're gonna we're gonna. I I've written that one down. Okay. I think that's great. Save that for later. Yeah, and we need to we need to bring that up later. Okay. All right. So uh, we don't. We're, our time is done, and we don't uh, have opportunity to go through the people groups. But I hope you're going to take a look at that because I was trying to just, you know, fumble and fiddle with that um, to try and, <clears throat> if you will, join the Jew and the Gentile into groups so that there appears to be one group rather than two. Um, for example, the Torah keepers that believe that Yeshua is the Messiah. There are Jews that believe that. There are also Gentiles that believe that. Well, we're some of them. There are Torah keepers that don't believe that Yeshua is the Messiah. Orthodox Judaism, by and large. Chabad, for example. But there are Torah keepers that don't believe that Yeshua is the Messiah that are Gentiles. Now, they may have converted, they may not have converted, but they're still Gentiles. We know some of them. That kind of thing. So, um, just take a look at that and kind of look through that. And uh, as we get to the latter chapters here, I think people groups mm-hmm. are, are going to start to rise. We're going we're gonna to get to verses that describe people, not by their ethnicity, but by what they believe and by who they believe. And since the Bible does that, I think we should start to think that way. So, um, good. Helpful? You got your sequence a little bit? You got a couple of things more you can add to your timeline? All right. I think uh, Scott's going to have us next week. And uh, what are we doing next week? Ezekiel. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> yes, indeed. All right. <gasps> well, you want to close this? Sure. Ah, good. Have you practiced? Yeah. <laughs> a bit rusty. Yeah. <laughs> Father, we're grateful for the, the time together, the uh, time to look at your word, the time to discuss.
um, what is to come. Uh, we pray, Father, that uh, you would find us faithful when you do return. Yes, Lord. Bless us, Father, with uh, uh, a great next few days. Bring us back together mm. on yes. Shabbat. We pray these things in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah. Amen. Amen. Amen.